0: I just want to ask you one question. What do you want to be remembered for? Full Tilt Daily Fantasy Podcast. I am your temporary host Jacob Sanderson FF underscore RTDB. This is a solo edition of the Full Tilt DFS podcast. Tom is still off this week but I think he'll be back next week and we'll get back to the regularly scheduled programming. First off I apologize for no show last week just a number of things making my life really busy and Tom's life really busy but I wanted to be back with you today and we're gonna have a fun show. It's going to be a little bit different than what we usually do in terms of the format. I'm going to go a little bit heavy on some strategic concepts today, uh, which I'm going to try and take advantage of here with the solo podcast. And then we're going to go into the plays in what's going to be a really, really crazy week. You know, I've been trying to prep for this show all week, and it seems like every time I'm set in terms of a strategy, in terms of some players I like, I hear more injury news. You know, at one point it was Crowder with a midweek injury, and then all of a sudden Aaron Jones today, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins now might not even play. I think I'm missing a few Emmanuel Sanders on the COVID list. Games are being changed times, so it's been a really fluid week. It's been a really fluid week, but I think we finally have a decent picture of what this slate's going to look like. Probably save for the Green Bay running back situation, where Aaron Jones, as of recording... Is considered to be a game time call. So, we're going to talk about that game, you know, from all angles, whether or not Aaron Jones plays and what to do. We're also going to go into some strategy, and I'm going to talk briefly first about the last couple weeks, you know, and how we've done. So, the last two weeks haven't been great, to be honest. We got off to a really hot start the first four weeks, and we've taken on losses the last two weeks. Not huge losses, but I have taken on some losses. And I think there's lessons to be learned from that. You know, I think last week, frankly, was a little bit more fluky, I think. I think week five was, you know, bad process losses. Week six, to be honest with you, all that happened was I didn't play Derrick Henry. I thought he was a process fade. I still kind of think he's a process fade. He was so popular in this game, and it was a great matchup. You know, he had reason to be popular, and maybe I should have just looked at it as, hey, he's the one proven stud play in a great matchup let's just roll with him but to me, you know, at $9,000 on FanDuel, I looked at Derek Henry and I said, you don't catch passes and you're 9k and you're going to be like 35% owned. I don't really want, you know, any piece of that cuz at that point to be profitable off Derrick Henry overall, you've either got to hit hard on whatever lineups you have him or just to be sort of blanket profitable with Derrick Henry, you've got to be up you know, 50% plus Derrick Henry. And I don't ever particularly feel comfortable being 50% ownership on a guy whose most likely scenario is going to be catching one or two passes. It's just, if he doesn't score two touchdowns or break a really long run, you know, that goes terribly wrong. And at the same time, what does it take for Derrick Henry to hurt you, right? That's what I always talk about on the show. How How does not owning Todd Gurley hurt you? How does not owning Derrick Henry hurt you? How does not owning, you know, any player really, how do they really hurt you? And it's usually, you know, if you're not catching passes, it's got to be 100 yards plus two touchdowns. And of course, Henry has like 260 yards plus two touchdowns. So Henry's a guy that absolutely can hurt you. It's not a situation like I usually say with Gurley or David Johnson, where even in their best case scenario, it's not a situation where if you didn't play them, you just can't win that week. You know, last week, if you didn't play Derek Henry, it was really hard to win. I'm not going to lie. It was very difficult. That being said... You know, we had situations that I think were really positive uh, last week. You know, some positive lessons to learn. We faded Alexander Madison. That was definitely the right call, right? Most expensive free square in history. Um, you're, you're having to pay, you know, 7K plus for a guy who's never had an NFL start on the assumption he'll get a three-down roll on a bad team. And he didn't get that three-down roll. So I think Derrick Henry was a process fade. Obviously, the result Uh, was not very good for us. I think Alexander-Madison was a process fade. The result was very positive for us. You know, so who did we play if we didn't play Derrick Henry, if we didn't play Alexander-Madison? Well, I played too much Mike Davis, that's for sure. Um, He didn't end up absolutely killing us, but it wasn't good. We played DeAndre Swift. That was a big positive, right? That was sort of the one flyer I was willing to take. I was doing a little bit of Antonio Gibson too, and that didn't work out as well, but I was very willing to play DeAndre Swift in a few lineups. It just so happened that you know the lineups I had Swift weren't necessarily lineups where I had guys like Justin Jefferson that really popped off. I didn't have Henry unfortunately, so it limited just how much that Swift play could pay off. Julio, you know that was probably that probably should have been a play right Julio historically has been good while playing right after an injury, and I just didn't trust it i'd I'd seen the Green Bay game when he got pulled I'd seen the Dallas game when he was fighting through it, and I had Julio both of those situations and it really burned me. So I didn't want to go back to it a third time. And obviously it burned me big time this time. But I think, you know, on the bright side of that we can say, hey, Julio's back, all systems go on the Atlanta offense moving forward. Going back through to week five, I thought there was lessons to be learned really from week five. If anyone can think back to week five, that was a week where I really touted Clyde Edwards hilaire. And he was my top play of the week and he You know, he had a fine game, but he didn't score a touchdown. He actually had one called back, and it got to the point where I had so much Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and he only put up, I think, nine FanDuel points, where it was going to be impossible to make that, you know, a big winning week. And then you look at a guy like Miles Sanders, who was just slightly down in price against Pittsburgh that week, and he had the two touchdowns, right? And it was a situation where I was all in on Clyde edwards E-Lair against Oakland at, like, 36% ownership. Miles Sanders was sitting there at 3% ownership against Pittsburgh. And, you know, I kind of mirrored that ownership myself. I had some Miles Sanders. I didn't have enough. I had some Josh Jacobs that week who had two touchdowns against Kansas City. I didn't have enough. And here I was overweight on a really chalky play whose workload is not really dissimilar or any better than those other two, right? We really fell for the matchup and we ended up getting suckered into a play that was overly popular that ended up not performing. Right? And so the what's sort of the moral of the story from these two weeks? Well, one is that popular plays, you know, can pay off and they don't and sometimes they don't pay off. And it's that simple. And and how does that relate to our strategy going forward? Well obviously the more popular a play is, you know, the more leverage the field has in relation to you. Right? So anytime you're going to profit over the vast majority of your lineups, you need to be above the field on the guys that do well, right? And to be able to get above the field on a Derrick Henry last week, on an Alexander Madison last week, who were so popular, you needed to have massive, massive exposure, right? You could have had a lot of leverage over the field on DeAndre Swift last week, and I did, with pretty limited exposure. He was like, I think, 1% or 2% owned on FanDuel last week. So even if you just had 10 to 20% of your lineups with DeAndre Swift, you were at a significant advantage uh, with DeAndre Swift. And so I think sort of the lesson to be learned from this is like, you know, when is the chalk good? And in a Derrick Henry situation, if it goes well for you, you can absolutely be profitable with chalk. But if you're going to swallow the chalk, you have to hope that it's good chalk and you have to have a process telling you why it is. And then you have to find ways to differentiate in the rest of your lineup, right? Or, and I would say and or, you need to look at situations to look at really good players that aren't going to be as chalky, like Miles Sanders and like Josh Jacobs two weeks ago. I don't know if DeAndre Swift really fell into that category because he was so low-salaried low last week, but you know we were on Miles Gaskin big time last week. Had a lot of Miles Gaskin, who was a great player um, at, you know, decently low ownership because it requires less risk to get way over the field on a guy that's less owned, right? You can benefit just as much with a lot less risk if that player doesn't perform well and doesn't burn the rest of your lineups. So that's just kind of a bit of a preamble to go over what happened the last couple of weeks. Now I want to get into the main show. Start the show. We're going to talk about this concept of leverage, right? I've already mentioned this a couple of times today. So what is leverage from a daily fantasy sports perspective, okay? So leverage essentially just means from a DFS lens, what is an opportunity where your assumption of how something is going to work out really disproportionately benefits you versus the field if that assumption is correct, right? And this is really important in tournaments, Remember, we talked about this all the way going back to the first shows. You cannot just play to min cash your tournaments. Right? Being in the top 30% of lineups is useless in a tournament. Right? There's no difference between being in the top 30% and being, you know, at the having the worst lineup in the in the Sunday million. Right? Those are equally non-profitable to you. So because of that right any lineup that's going to be remotely viable to you has to at least be in the top 20% and any lineup that's going to significantly contribute to you financially has to be in the top 1% or better so when you're building lineups in gpps right gpps is in tournaments stands for guaranteed prize pool you have to assume that your assumptions are correct right you have to make aggressive assumptions And then assume that your assumptions are correct, right? And sometimes they won't be, and then you have what we had in week six, right? My assumption was that Derrick Henry was going to end up being a poor play. And not because I thought he was necessarily a bad play. It's just from a game three perspective, I thought I wanted to be underweight on Derrick Henry. So I said, screw it. We're going fully underweight on Derrick Henry, right? And if Derrick Henry does poorly, then what do we want to do, right? Then what do we want to do? Well, that would imply that the Titans will score a lot of their touchdowns through the air. So we played a lot of Ryan Tannehill. I played a lot of A.J. Brown. Those things worked out. Of course, I didn't know they'd score 42 points and that you know all three of those plays would work out. But that's the kind of situation you're looking at, right? Not a whole lot of lineups would necessarily have Henry in them, and Tannehill in them because he's not a pass-catching running back. So you're trying to get some sort of leverage off that. You know, Looking at Alexander Madison, for instance okay, hey, if we're off of Alexander Madison, you know what, what assumptions do we want to make instead if we still want access to that game? Because it's not like we're saying Alexander Madison was a bad play last week. right? There were reasons why he was a good play. And those same reasons why Alexander Madison was a good play, Justin Jefferson was a good play. right? So we wanted to be overweight on Justin Jefferson last week. And we were. It didn't necessarily pay off you know, in enough lineups, but we were overweight on Justin Jefferson. So zooming out a little bit, I sort of see it as three tiers of leverage, right? So tier one of leverage is just simply getting low owned players, right? That's the easiest thing in the world. You know, if you have a player that's 1% owned and you have 20% of them and that player goes off, right, you're getting a lot of leverage on the field because, you know, 20 times (laughs) you're 20 times more likely than a generic player to have that player in your lineup. And if, if that's the player that unlocks you know, that slate-winning upside for you, that just boosts all of those lineups, right? It gives If you have the same rest of your lineup, if all your lineup is really chalky, right? And it's good chalk, and it pays off, but you have that one dude who's 1% owned, right, that gives you a big advantage. Right, level two is not just low-owned players, but low-owned constructions. So what does that mean, right? And again, this is sort of, you have to think about how other players are building their lineups, right? So let's say there's a $5,800 running back that's really popular on a given slate, right? Well, let's say player X. So if you've decided that player X is a fade at $5,800, One of the ways you can make your lineup even less owned is to then take, you know, player Y at $5,800, right? Say there's a similarly good running back play at the exact same price as a really popular play, and we've talked about this a little bit before, put him in your lineup, right? Because it's even less likely that people will be owning him if, if the guy at the same price is popular, right? Similarly, you can expand this even a little bit more in terms of how you're constructing your lineup, right? So say there's a really chalky running back on a given slate, right? Now let's even take an example this week, okay? Gio Bernard at $4,800. It's probably gonna be one of the most owned running backs on the slate, right? He's filling in for Joe Mixon. He's only $4,800. Really great play. I'm not saying he's, he's not a good play. I'm gonna probably play a lot of Gio Bernard. But let's say on a given lineup, you're like, all right, we're gonna fade... Giovanni Bernard, um, you know, on this given lineup, no one's going to be playing Gio Bernard and the Browns defense, right? That makes zero sense. If the Browns defense is a great fantasy play this week because they just go out and annihilate Cincinnati, no one's like, man, I really got to get Gio Bernard in my lineup with the Browns D, right? So if you're already not playing Gio Bernard, you have to assume for your lineup to be good that Gio Bernard probably has a poor game or at least doesn't reach the ceiling. Why not just plug in the Browns defense? You know, similarly, why not just plug in Kareem Hunt? Who we're going to talk about a lot today. He's up at $7,100. An awesome play, every down roll. Going up against Cincinnati, right? Are people going to want to play Gio Bernard and Kareem Hunt in the same lineup? No, right? Kareem Hunt is going to be a popular play, actually, I think. Right, I'd be pretty surprised if he's not a popular play against Cincinnati. But I don't think a lot of people are gonna play Geo and Hunt. No, I actually think that's viable because both those running backs get pass game work. So I think those are two opportunities for leverage, right? One opportunity is okay, I will roster Geo and Hunt. Right? Let's assume that one of these guys, you know, puts up a couple rushing touchdowns because their team gets ahead. Let's assume the other one starts racking up usage in the pass game and maybe ends up catching a receiving touchdown, or they just plunge it in for one yard you know, at the end of a drive. Because they both get used to the pass game, I think you can play those two running backs. I don't think a lot of people will play both running backs. And that's kind of a fun way to get some leverage on the field too, where you can actually play two really popular players, but play them together in a way that not a lot of people necessarily will. And so then you have two great plays for value, And you're getting leverage over the field because not a lot of people will have that exact lineup, right? That's level two. And, you know, that's kind of getting into level three, which is what I call benefiting from others' mistakes, right? Ultimately, that's what leverage is. You want to maximize the extent to which you profit if your assumptions are correct and the field is wrong, right? It's not enough to merely be like, oh, good, you know. I avoided the geo this week, right? You want to be like, all right, not only did geo fail this week and I don't have him. That's great. Okay. Awesome. Again, I'm not saying geo will fail. I'm just using this as an example, right? Awesome. I benefited from having the Browns D, right? Okay. If the Browns get out in front, right? and the Browns' D performs well, because maybe the way they got out in front was a pick six. You know, Maybe they're just leading the whole game, so they're sacking Joe Burrow over and over again. And now, since he's in catch-up mode, they're probably going to have to pass a lot to Tyler Boyd, right? But are people going to play Gio Bernard and Tyler Boyd in the same lineup? Probably not. So what if you do a Tyler Boyd or a T Higgins with Kareem Hunt and with the Browns' defense? Right? At this point now, you're getting a lot of good plays, And you're doing so in a way that, you know, not a lot of people are going to have that combination because geo is going to be so popular. So people wanting to play geo will preclude them from these other plays, right? And now you're maximizing your leverage over the geo owners in this case. So that's a little bit about leverage and, you know, to take this even further, right? I just want to talk about some examples of lineups this week. And I, we'll get into plays later. All these guys I'm going to talk about are guys I'm playing. Okay, so when we talk about plays later, I'm into all these players. Obviously, that includes Joe Bernard. But I just want to get into sort of some, a base construction, you know, of a pool of lineups I would make this week and enter into the Sunday Million. And then how sort of making one assumption off of that can really get you excess leverage, right? And this is something that, Really, we as sort of small bankroll players, you know, that's kind of what we are catering to here, have an advantage because we're probably not making our lineups in optimizers, right? We're actually building our lineups by hand. So we get to approach our Sunday Million lineups like other people approach their single entry lineups because we're not just running it through a machine. So we get to really think through this stuff. And I think we need to to maximize that advantage. Right, we need to maximize the advantages we have as smaller players, and this is one of them. Okay, so let's let's use sort of a you know a base build for lineup, right? Okay, so Houston Green Bay, super fun game this week, probably one of the best three or four games in the slice. So let's assume that for you know a particular cluster of lineups, I want to stack Houston Green Bay, right? And I'm gonna lock in Alvin Kamara who's at home with no Michael Thomas, no Emmanuel Sanders against the Panthers, right? Probably the best play on the slate. So I'm going to lock in Kamara and I'm going to lock in some form of a Green Bay-Houston stack, right? And then how are we going to adjust from there? So in my base assumption lineup here, I've got a particular cluster, right? And what we're going to start with is I'm going to play Geo and Jamal Williams, which will be if Aaron Jones sits... Right, Aaron Jones is now, and all this, you know, you can throw this particular info out, I guess, if Aaron Jones does play, but keep this idea in mind from a strategy perspective, you know, all season long, right, because this is an evergreen discussion, so let's, we're going to build this here under the assumption there's no Aaron Jones, so we're going to build a little lineup cluster here, and it's going to have Geo and Jamal, we're going to have the Houston Green Bay stack, we're going to lock in Kamara, And we're going to lock in the Washington defense, who's at home against Dallas. So, how would we, you know, how would we affect this situation? So, okay, Deshaun Watson, um, Deshaun Watson, Gio Bernard, Jamal Williams, Devontae Adams, Brandon Cooks, and then that's because those running backs are so cheap. We actually have the opportunity to lock in you know, Travis Kelsey, a tight end, and Alvin Kamara, and then we're going to do Robbie Anderson as a bring back with Kamara, and like I said, we're going to do the Washington defense, right? So it's a little Kamara-Robbie mini stack, Watson-Cooks, Adams-Williams, so that Houston-Green Bay, plus Bernard, plus Kelsey, plus the Washington defense, okay? And then we're going to go and build, all right, what's another combo, you know, we could use? Okay, this time we're going to do for a mini stack, we're going to do Julio Jones and TJ Hawkinson. So we're not going to play Robbie Anderson. We're not going to play Kelsey. We'll play Julio and Hawkinson. We'll keep everything else the same, but this time it's going to be Rodgers instead of Watson. Still Williams, still Adams, still Bernard, still Cooks, still Camara. Okay? And you know, you can keep building through that kind of cycle, but that's a particular construction that we would use. So what if now we take in the assumption, all right? If we thought of that lineup, a lot of people are thinking of that lineup, right? That's a pretty chalky construction, I think. Now we're going to fade Gio Bernard, right? So now we're going to build a lineup with the assumption, everything else, static, right? We still love Green Bay Houston, right? We still like everything else. But now we're just going to say, all right, Gio Bernard is going to be the piece of that lineup, and everyone who builds that type of lineup, that's going to fail that lineup. So... We're still going to have Deshaun Watson. We're still going to have Jamal Williams. We're still going to have Brandon Cooks. All right. Now I'm going to go, all right, let's keep Robbie Anderson. Let's keep Kamara. Let's even keep Kelsey. Okay. All we change now is we go, all right, I'm going to play Kareem Hunt instead of Gio Bernard. Just like we talked about, we're going to bring that back with Higgins and we're going to play the Browns D. Right. That's kind of the one we already talked about. Now, all of a sudden, we have just unpopularized a lineup that was very chalky 30 seconds ago. Okay, what if Geo's going to hit, but the piece that's going to drag it is Jamal Williams, right? I like Jamal Williams this week. A lot of Aaron Jones doesn't play. Is it possible he gets vultured at the goal line by A.J. Dillon? 100%. You know, he's not the most efficient rusher, right? Is he a pretty safe bet to get five or six catches? Absolutely. Is it possible he doesn't score a touchdown that A.J. Dillon gets more involved on the ground than then we would assume, sure, that's possible, right? He could easily bust. Okay, so now let's think this through. Okay, we have this basic lineup, right? All right, so now we're gonna play Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback, right? We were kind of oscillating between Rodgers and Watson. And we still want the Adams. We still have Gio Bernard in here. We still have Camara locked in. So how will we now change this a little bit? Okay, so the way I would change this is I go, okay, well, no one's gonna play... You know, a lot of people are going to play Rogers. a lot of people are going to play Adams, right? Might not be super, super popular to have Jamal Williams stacked with Rogers and Adams, but I think he's cheap enough it actually will be decently popular. But I bet a lot of people wouldn't play Rogers and Williams and Adams and Marquez Valdez scantling right? So let's let's play NVS. Let's now instead of our three way being Rogers, Williams, Adams. It's Rogers, Adams, NVS. And that kind of takes away a wide receiver slot. So we'll bring it back now with Darren Fells instead of Cooks, right? Jordan Aiken's going to be out. Fells is getting all the tight end looks. That's going to be our stack. We're going to stick with Kamara. We're going to stick with Geo. I'm going to add in Odell Beckham here, who gets to be, you know, the mini stack with Bernard. And now we're going to play Mike Davis as the mini stack with Kamara instead of Robbie Anderson. Right now we have a highly correlated lineup, a lot of chalk plays, but it's going to be a nice pivot because avoiding the Jamal Williams chalk in this scenario unlocks a somewhat unpopular version of a very popular stack with Green Bay Houston. Okay? So those are the kind of things I want you guys to think about when we're building lineups by hand. How do we get off of some of these chalky plays and how do we maximize our ability to get off of them in a profitable way for us? Okay? Let's get into the games this week. Tons of fun games this week and tons of value on the slate. Right, we're going to run down really quick here before I give plays of the week. So, Detroit Atlanta, right? We're going to start there. Nice noon game, indoors, over under 55. I like this game a lot. You know, I think this is one of the clear three best games. I think it's Detroit Atlanta, it's Green Bay Houston, and then it's Seattle Arizona. And I would bet that this is probably the least owned game just because the teams aren't as good. <laughs> Right? These aren't, this isn't a game people are, are as excited to watch, but I think it can be really fun, right? Atlanta, when Julio Jones is in the lineup, is a very, very explosive offense. The only issue with this game is I don't want to play any running backs, right? We've been through this with Todd Gurley. I don't want to play Todd Gurley. He doesn't get enough pass game usage. He's not explosive enough in the run game, which caps his ceiling, I think, unless he scores you know, more than two touchdowns. But I think you could easily play Ryan this week. I think you could easily play Stafford this week. I don't know how often I'll get there because I love all of the expensive and more mobile quarterbacks this week. I think they're all in great spots, great game environments. So it's a hard scenario for me to see Ryan or Stafford as the best quarterback play this week when you know we have Mahomes, Allen, Wilson, Kyler, Rogers, Watson all on the slate and so many of them in awesome spots. But you know they're also going to be really unpopular in really great spots. So it's not a bad idea to play Stafford or Ryan. Where I'm going to probably attack this game the most is with the, the mini stack. So some combination of Hawkinson, Galladay, Ridley, Julio. I probably won't full stack this game a lot. But if I can add you know a Julio-Hawkinson, a Ridley-Hawkinson, or a Julio-Galladay-Ridley-Galladay mini stack into my lineups, I'm going to try and push for that. And probably the best route that I'll get to that is if I'm stacking low-priced wide receivers, you know, something like a, say I wanted to stack, um, I don't know, Carolina, New Orleans even, right? Say I put in Traquan and then I stacked otherwise with running backs like Mike Davis, Alvin Kamara, that leaves me two wide receiver spots and I've saved a little bit of salary. Now I can put in, you know, Julio and Galladay, right? Ridley and Galladay. That's really inexpensive. that's a way to play two expensive wide receivers in a game where you're not playing the quarterback. That's going to be a pretty unique construction. So that's probably how I'm attacking this game. I should talk about DeAndre Swift. He's 6100. I'm a huge fan of DeAndre Swift if you're a DeAndre Swift owner in Dynasty or in season long, you should be totally excited. He still only played 38% of the snaps. He plays the snaps almost dead even with Peterson and carry on, and that didn't really change this week. Obviously, he saw a lot more touches. Is it possible that his great play means he'll get more snaps this week and more touches this week? Super possible. And in a great matchup, it'll be worth it for me to sprinkle in a little bit of DeAndre Swift just in case. But there's so many other good running backs this week that I don't want to get to a point where I'm overexposed to a player who might not even see half the snaps, right? When he's more expensive than guys like Geo and Jamal Williams that are probably going to see higher snap rates and that are much cheaper. So it is what it is. Cleveland-Cincinnati, this is probably the game that I'm most willing to like low-key stack, right? Gio Bernard, super cheap. Kareem Hunt, not cheap, but underpriced, frankly, right? $7,100 for his role in this matchup. Won't be playing Baker, but I'm going to play some Odell, right? The Browns offense has looked really good in good matchups. They've looked really bad in bad matchups. This is a great matchup. And in a great matchup, Odell Beckham has an awesome role on this team, right? He gets almost all the deep work. He gets a ton of targets. And this one being in Cincy, you know, tight spread at his three and a half. That means the Browns might actually have to keep passing this game. That's great news for Odell. I will play Joe Burrow, right? Joe Burrow, he can run a little bit. They're letting him throw as much as humanly possible. And he has Boyd at 6K, Higgins at 5.7K that are both really great options um, at a really affordable price. So this is a game not a lot of people I think will be on as much as those other ones. And I do like Joe Burrow as a cheap quarterback option. Right, If you play, say, Burrow, Bernard, Higgins, Hunt, or Burrow, Higgins, Boyd, Beckhams, I don't know, something like that, it gives you options to play other really high-priced pieces this week because there's so much value in this game. And it allows you to go chalky because I don't think a whole lot of people are going to play you know, the pieces in this game. Not because they're not good plays, but just because I think people will look at these other games and want to play them. So I'm going to be overweight on this game for sure. I'm definitely going to be overweight on Odell, on Hunt. I'm not sure where Geo's ownership is going to end up. So I don't know if I'm going to be overweight on Geo, but I will play some Geo. But definitely overweight on Hunt, definitely overweight on Odell Beckham. And I'm going to play a little bit of Burrow, which will probably be enough to get me overweight on Burrow. Same with Higgins and with Boyd. I'm going to be overweight on them. Green Bay-Houston, awesome game. Over-under 57, right? We've seen Green Bay run without Aaron Jones before, and they're fine. Aaron Jones is a much better player than Jamal Williams, but I'm not concerned about Green Bay's offense as a whole against this Houston defense if they have to play without Aaron Jones. I think they'll be totally fine. If Aaron Jones does play, man, that's going to be a tough call, right? I was ready to call Aaron Jones my favorite play on the slate this week, but I don't know if I can play him... In a game against Houston with a possible cast ring, they already limit his usage enough. If he gets the green light, like there's just too many ways it can go wrong, right? If Green Bay somehow falls down, if, uh, if Houston gets way down, right, they're not gonna play Aaron Jones till the end of this game unless it's a tight game. He could re aggravate the injury. He could play, you know, normally the whole way through, but they could just really limit his snaps. He could be emergency only. Like, if you don't get full Aaron Jones workload and he's $8,500 and you've played a lot of Aaron Jones, that's just, that's it's done for you. It's over for you, right? So I'm probably, I don't know if I'll full fade him, but I'm going to be pretty, pretty minimal Aaron Jones exposure if he goes. So from a DFS perspective, I almost just hope he doesn't because then it's easier to gauge this game, right? I'm going to be happy to play a lot of Jamal Williams I don't care about A.J. Dillon, right? You can envision a path where A.J. Dillon nerfs Jamal Williams' value for sure and where you want to fade that chalk, but I don't think you can really envision a scenario where A.J. Dillon becomes someone you super want to play because he's probably not going to get any pass game work and he's certainly not going to get all of the rushing work. So if you're just looking at like 12 carries, maybe one or two targets, that's a pass, right? Like even if he gets two touchdowns off of that. So what? He gets, what, 18 fantasy points? Like, obviously really good if you played him, but if you didn't play him, it's not preventing you from winning, right? And it's equally possible or more possible that those 12 carries and no targets turn into, like, 30 yards and three points, and then you're dead. So no on A.J. Dillon. Heck yes on Jamal Williams. Uh, Yes, for sure on Aaron Rodgers. Yes, for sure on Devontae Adams. And I'm going to play a lot of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, right? Because if I don't want to play the running backs or if I want to have rosters where I want to avoid the running backs at all for leverage, then I'm going to play a lot of MVS. He's at just $5,400. He's running a ton of routes, and he's going to get to run all of his routes against probably Vernon Hargraves, right? We've talked about him before on the show. So I'm all in on that. I'll play some Tanyan, although he's being being dinged up with an ankle, and he's still, I think, overpriced. So it's probably going to be mostly Rodgers, Adams, MVS, and Jamal Williams if Aaron Jones is out on that side. Houston, it's easy, David Johnson is semi-playable this week. It's a tight spread. He's been seeing over 80% of snaps. He's just not been good enough, frankly. Right? He's just not doing enough with his touches. But I I was so ready to say I was actually going to play David Johnson this week until we started getting all these other cheap running backs on the slate. So, I don't know. I just don't know if I can do it uh, with all these other cheaper running backs on the slate with just as much upside or more than David Johnson but I can't blame you if you play David Johnson. I will certainly play Deshaun Watson. I will play Brandon Cooks. I will play Will Fuller. Probably more Cooks than Fuller just because the $1,000 salary is nice and I think Cooks could be an equally good play. Fuller's probably going to get shadowed by Jair Alexander. It doesn't scare me so much to not want to play Fuller. But if Fuller and Cooks are you know both equally popular and Cooks is $1,000 cheaper and has the easier matchup, then it's Cooks for me over Fuller, but I'll play both. Carolina-New Orleans, no Michael Thomas, no Manuel Sanders. That means no Breeze. I was pretty ready to play Breeze this week, but abort, abort, abort. I will play Traquan for sure. I'll definitely play Traquan Smith. Uh, He's been good when he's been the only option this year, and he's going to be the only option this year. And I will certainly play Alvin Kamara, and I would even consider Taysom Hill at tight end. I don't think you need to get to Marquez Callaway or Deontay Harris this week, but I could see a case for it. But if there wasn't if there was so much value at running back, I would do it, but there is. So I don't think you need to get that low. But I'll play Traquan. Kamara is going to be in like every single lineup. I mean, they're going to have to pass it to him over and over again. He's going up against a horrible run defense. He's a lock. I would like half consider playing Latavius Murray, right? Like he can get pass work. He certainly can get goal line work. I don't know what his top ceiling is, but if they really funnel this offense through the running backs and they like win by a lot, I don't know. I could play a little bit of Latavius. It's probably like one of the only ways to get any leverage in a Camara lineup. right? Because like, Camara is going to be so obscenely popular this week. Like, The only thing preventing anyone from playing him was Price. And now that people get Gio Bernard at $4,800 and maybe Jamal Williams at $5,000, Camara might set an ownership record. So every Camara lineup, which will be every lineup, you have to think of ways to get off of it and to get a little bit weird. And maybe maybe you play Camara and Latavius. So I'd consider it. That being said, probably still only looking at you know 10 to 15 touches, and he probably needs two touchdowns to pay off. But I think if he's going to get two touchdowns, it could happen this week. Carolina I'll bring back with Robbie Anderson probably not more he's more expensive his role has not been quite as good and he's probably going to see more of Marshawn Lattimore so I'm open to more but I'm not going to force it I will play a lot of Anderson and I will play a ton of Mike Davis this week um he burnt people last week I think he's going to flow a little under the radar this week but I don't think his role has changed there's no reason for me to view him much differently than I did last week so I'll play a lot of Mike Davis Robbie Anderson is my main bring backs with Camara. Buffalo New, uh, Buffalo, and New York, for the most part, there's is a no thanks. Although, with John Brown out, I'm mildly interested in Stefan Diggs. And if I'm playing Diggs, I'm, I'm willing to play Allen and Diggs. The thing is, I don't know if I can come, bring back with many of the Jets. Uh, Diggs saw so many targets. He saw 16, I think, the last game without John Brown. So he's going to get absurd volume for as long as this game stays competitive. And with Darnold playing, maybe it does. So I'm willing to consider like a super weird... Josh Allen, Diggs, maybe a little Gabe Davis action at $4,800 and bring back with Paraman, especially Perriman if Crowder's out. If Crowder does play, I'm all right with Crowder, and I'm still all right with Paraman, who had a lot of air yards last week in his first game back. I think he led the NFL in unrealized air yards. But for the most part, I'm avoiding this game, and it doesn't take many sprinkles to get above the field probably on that one. Dallas, Washington, I'll be avoiding this one pretty hard. Terry McLaurin is a good play, but at $7,000, I just don't know if I can get there. Definitely not with the quarterbacks, not playing any of Dallas's pass catchers. They're, they're just frankly a little overpriced right now given the uncertain roles with very limited upside in a game I don't want to stack. If I'm going to get to anyone in this game, I'm going to get to either McLaurin or I'm going to get to Antonio Gibson. I was ready to get to a lot of Antonio Gibson this week, but again, there's so many other options now for value running backs that I don't know if he's the best one when he's not going to see a very high snap rate. He's going to hover around 50% and he's not going to see a ton of touches. But the matchup's great, he is explosive, and he'll probably carry very, very low ownership given the plethora of value options around him. So I'll play a little bit. I'll probably sprinkle in some Antonio Gibson, and that's probably all it needs to get above the field. I will play both of these defenses, though, especially the Washington defense. Especially the Washington defense. Pittsburgh, Tennessee, I kind of classify similar to the Cincy-Cleveland game. You know, it's kind of a sneaky snack, sneaky stack game, right? Pittsburgh's great defense, but I'm just willing to say Tennessee's a great offense. So I think it's possible this game does shoot out in spite of Pittsburgh being a great defense. Tennessee is not a great defense, so I'm on board with Pittsburgh. I don't think I can get on board with either quarterback just because there's so many good quarterback plays this week, and I don't think Tannehill in this matchup or or ever like quite possess that 30 to 35 point ceiling. And I'm very positive that between Mahomes, Wilson, Murray, Allen, Rogers, Watson, like someone's going to hit 30, and I don't think it's going to be either of these two. So probably mini-stacks in this game. So I'll do a little Deontay Johnson action down at 5,800. He's burnt me a lot this year, but I'm willing to go back to the well one more time. I don't know how much Claypool I'll play now that his price is up to 6,400, but I'll probably want one or two because he has shown slate-breaking upside. I'm willing to play A.J. Brown even in tough matchups because I think he's that good. So I'm willing to do that. I don't think I can get to Jonu. I probably can't get to Derrick Henry again this week. But he might actually have decently low ownership despite the big week last week. Just with so many other running back plays. So I'll be open to a little bit of you know Deontay A.J. Brown or Deontay Henry mini stacking. A little bit of Claypool maybe. Maybe a little bit of Jonu Smith. But probably light light on this game although I want to at least be with the field I want this is a game like I don't know exactly how much I'm being able to fit it in but I want to try and be active about being overweight on this game if possible Casey Denver you know this game really comes down to whether Denver can somewhat keep it close if the weather's going to be a problem I don't know if Denver can I don't know if Denver can keep it close their offense look pretty out of sync but at the same time Drew Locke throws deep very often so that creates a lot of volatility and all it can really take is just you know two or three of those deep passes to hit. And all of a sudden, this offense looks very different. Hamler's coming back. Fant's coming back. So we're going to get Denver closer to a full-strength offense, or at least as close as we're going to get to a full-strength offense for this season while Cortland Sutton is on IR. We get Gordon back, too. Definitely not playing Denver running backs. But I will want to be overweight on the Chiefs. I'm certainly going to want to be overweight on Travis Kelsey. If you're going value-heavy at running back, then you need to spend that value somewhere. And Travis Kelsey is one of the best places to spend it this week. There's just not a lot of tight ends that I love in the mid-price range. There's not a lot of awesome cheap tight ends like there was last week with Irv Smith and Trey Burton. So I'll play a lot of Travis Kelsey. And you know this is a week to get access to the best offense in the league, probably at really limited ownership. So I will sprinkle out there some Mahomes, Clyde, Kelsey lineups you know, and maybe bring it back with Tim Patrick, maybe bring it back with Noah Fan. So again, like, I feel like it's a common theme. I'd like to be overweight on this game. I don't think I can get overweight on all the games I want to be overweight on, but I do want to try and be overweight. You know, on this game. San Francisco New England is a straight avoid. Honestly, um, you know, I should talk about McKinnon because he's at fifty-five hundred dollars. He got ninety-two percent of the snaps the last time. Moster missed the full game, but with the way Hasty was working in there. Uh, in the last game, I just think it's very unlikely he's going to see that workhorse role again. So I think, you know, if I were to project, I would project McKinnon to be the better play than Hasty. But if if it's not going to be a workhorse role, it's going to be split, especially if Hasty ends up getting goal line touches and is the early down guy. McKinnon is the only one getting the pass down work. Then I don't want either. There's other better value plays and better matchups. So give me no one from this game, to be entirely honest. Debo 5,400 is a fun value. So maybe one or two. If like I just need the savings for a particular lineup, I could get down to Debo, but there's too many wide receivers I like probably to do that. So I think it's nothing from this game. Um, Jacksonville, LA, you know I don't love Jacksonville, right? Like their defense is bad. I want to be able to stack Jacksonville games, but they are too run heavy in neutral pace, and they want to be too slow. That if if the game goes Jacksonville's way, then it becomes an unstackable game. And if the game doesn't go Jacksonville's way, I don't have enough faith in Minshew to keep pace. So you're sort of damned if you do and damned if you don't with Jacksonville. And that's why we really haven't seen a lot of their games shoot out the way we want them to for DFS. I think they've busted more often than not, even in these fun spots. So probably not going to do it a lot, but I will play DJ Chark. Like he's someone I I like so much this week, I'm willing to play him even when I'm not stacking. And I probably won't get to stack this game, but I want to play Chark anyway. Um... Chark at $6,500, he saw 14 targets last week, he actually, not Perriman, he actually led the league in unrealized air yards, Perriman was number two, I believe, you know, so I think Chark is coming off a couple disappointing weeks, but he has such an incredible role right now, 14 targets, like I said last week, in a game where I think they're going to be playing from behind, because the Chargers, 7.5 point favorite, they're legit, Herbert's legit, I think they're going to be able to go right up and down the field on this Jacksonville team so I want to be able to play Chark and if I'm stacking Chark I'm probably going to do it with Keenan Allen I might do it with Justin Jackson who practiced in full today so I think he's clearly the preferred option as of now over Josh Kelly because he's the guy that's going to see the passing down work but I I have lingering concerns that Kelly will then see the goal line work making both of them kind of unplayable in DFS from a ceiling perspective so I might have to play a lot of standalone Chark this week to be able to play as much Chark as I want, but he's one of my favorite plays because I think he's in a fantastic spot from a you know game environment perspective, from a game theory perspective, and I think he'll have like no ownership. So I want to play a lot of chark. How I'm gonna stack that I'm not quite sure yet. I don't know if I can get to I certainly can't get to Minshew. I don't know if I can get to Herbert, but he's definitely on my sheet. If I have if I have like lineups where I feel like I'm sufficiently, you know, on enough of these games, then I will get to Herbert. Last game, I want to talk about Seattle, Arizona. And, you know, I think you know what's going on with this one. If there's a wrinkle, it's that it's going to be played Sunday night. It's still in the main slate, and Hopkins is not yet for sure to play. So if you have Hopkins in your lineup, you kind of need to plan some sort of an escape hatch because there's just no wide receiver that's, you know, that highly priced. So it's going to be hard to do standalone shots at this game when I have the situation where, you know, I have Hopkins sitting there in my lineup and if he gets ruled out somehow, then I've got to drop down all the way to Lockett or Metcalf and I don't have any other way to use the rest of that salary. So if you game stack it, you can be a little bit more creative, I think, with the salary. So I'm probably going to be game stacks only on this game, maybe some mini stacks. Probably no standalone Hopkins for that reason. But I think that you know him being out, if you are able to get that news earlier in the day, earlier in the weekend, then Kirk's a great play. Isabella's a fun speculative play at $4,800. I'm gonna fade this backfield. I'm gonna fade Drake and Edmonds because I just I don't like Drake's role. I don't like that he doesn't have the pass game work, especially in a game that they are not favored in. And Edmonds at six thousand dollars is just too highly priced for for a really unpredictable and possibly small role. On the Seattle side it's simple. It's Wilson, Carson, Metcalf, Lockett. It's really that simple. I love Metcalf this week. I'm into Lockett for game stacks only, just because I don't think he should be more highly priced than Metcalf. But that also means he'll be under owned, so I'm in on both of them. Russ, whenever he's on the slate, I want to play Russ, especially against a high-powered offense like Arizona's. Kyler, I'll only play if Hopkins is there, and then oh, I'm missing Chris Carson. Chris Carson has been the highest-scoring Seahawks three out of five weeks. So, if you want to pivot off of the pass catchers, you know, assume that assume maybe that. Hopkins has to sit, or he's limited, so Arizona doesn't really get it going, and Seattle just ends up running the ball more, then yeah, play Carson. Play Carson log out. I think that that's a totally acceptable way to play this game. But I will be stacking this game, and I will be playing Carson in stacks. I'll be playing Carson out of stacks. I'll be playing Metcalf both in and out of stacks. And I want to get access to everyone else here as much as I can. So that's the slate this week. That's sort of a full slate breakdown. I think we hit every game. And look at that, we're still under an hour. So good for us. I'm gonna give out my final plays here this week. So the plays this week we're gonna do at quarterback. My number one play, you know, regardless of format, and he'll be my cash game quarterback this week, probably. It's Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson would be my top plays in that scenario. I don't think I need to explain why. If I want a sort of a, a little bit of a freaky tournament play, I'm going on to Joe Burrow at 7.1k. Our uh, running back this week, best cash game play on the board, and has to be in your tournament lineups too, is Alvin Kamara. Mike Davis would be another of my favorite plays in that scenario, and then Kareem Hunt. Those are my favorite plays for tournament formats. It's Kamara, it's Davis, it's Hunt. In cash games, I will be very heavy on Gio Bernard and on Jamal Williams possibly playing both of them in the same cash lineup um, if Aaron Jones is out and with Mixon out. But for tournaments, probably my three most highly owned will be Kamara, Hunt, and I don't know if Davis will be my most highly owned, but he's the one that I want to be next next highest on relative to his field ownership. A wide receiver, my favorite play is really quick. You know, Devontae Adams, absolutely. You know, in cash games and tournaments, I want tons of Adams. DJ Chark is my guy in tournaments, and then Higgins in both formats. And for a cashier play, I'm gonna go down to Traquan Smith at 5.3 as the only dude in town. So it's it's Adams, it's Higgins, and it's Traquan. That's probably gonna be my three wide receivers in cash. And then in terms of the tournament guy that I want to really feature, it's gonna be DJ Chark more than anyone else. And then at tight end. You know, my favorite tight end on the slate, we're going to keep it simple. It's going to be Travis Kelsey this week. There's so many other ways to save that. I'll probably be playing Travis Kelsey in my cash lineup. I'll be playing Travis Kelsey in a lot of tournament lineups, even stacked with Mahomes, stacked with Clyde. And then if you're going off Kelsey and you want to do a little cheaper, I like TJ Hawkinson in a great matchup at 5.9K. You can mini stack him with Ridley or with Julio Jones. And then if you want to go really cheap, it's David Njoku or Harrison Bryant. Take your pick. At 4.5 and 4.4K, Austin Hooper's out this week in a game that I want to stack, so I don't mind David Njoku or Harrison Bryant. And if you want to punt at tight end in cash, you could go all the way down to them, specifically if you don't have access to Jamal Williams at 5K and you want to be able to play some higher-priced receivers, running backs. Say if you wanted to play Zeke in a lineup, who's probably going to be really under this week, if you wanted to play Zeke in a lineup, you know David Njoku might be a good option for you at 4.5K. Finally a defense, you know, because of all the value I'm willing to spend to the max this week on Buffalo, Cleveland at four point seven K is an egregiously priced play, but from just purely that game theory perspective, with Geo probably being chalk, I'm probably gonna end up being unintentionally overweight on the Cleveland defense. And then my favorite play, although there'll be a chalky one, I would assume, is Washington at three point eight K. My less chalky plays probably looking at seattle 4.1k and if i'm that's kind of the assumption game that hopkins is either limited or out and then i can get access to you know playing the defense in a game that everyone else is stacking that's a lot of a leverage opportunity otherwise carolina at 3.2k new orleans has been uninspiring this season offensively without thomas now they're without sanders too so you know i'm willing to play carolina at the absolute minimum salary in a decent spot if I just want to save money on defense. So that's that's a wrap. That's a wrap for today in terms of my favorite plays. Really quick recap, my favorite plays, if I have to pick two plays at each position as my official tournament plays of the week, it's going to be Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow at quarterback, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt at running back, Devontae Adams, and DJ Chark wide receiver travis kelsey and david njoku at tight end and the washington defense and the carolina defense that's a wrap for me i'll be back next week i think with tom hope you enjoyed the show let me know on twitter ff underscore rtdb if you have any questions if there's more people that end up getting injured or getting covid or what have you um, definitely hit up Tom2FF underscore IMBQ. He'd still be happy to answer your questions about how he's feeling. I'm sure he has some different takes on some of my picks than I do. So make sure to get his advice as well. And we'll be back next week. So before we go, just remember this one important thing. There's a no fight up. going on out there, gentlemen. Why don't you get in it? Clear eyes, full hearts. Get